Welcome to another episode of Focused on Christ, where we are passionate about exalting Christ and equipping the church. I'm Mike Crump here with Pastor Nathan Smith. Nathan, how are you today? Good. How are you, Mike? I am doing well. Uh, In our last episode, we discussed the prophet Habakkuk's complaint to God about using evil men to punish Judah. And this week is the first of a two-part look at the prophet Ezekiel, who is writing while he's in captivity. And he begins his book with a really intense vision. Mm -hmm. Okay, But before we get to that, Nathan, have you ever had one of those weird dreams, like vivid dreams that you wake up thinking that... That's a uh, little bit of a scary question. (laughs) I mean, usually after Domino's Pizza, but who doesn't? Yes, I I get it. Yeah, Um, I get it. I grew up in East Africa, and actually there was... um, a time when I was seven years old, my okay. whole family were into Doma, which is central Tanzania, and we all got malaria, except my sister. Mm. My sister did not get okay. it. But my parents, me, we got it really bad, and I was, I was laying there with what's called plus three malaria right before it goes to the brain. Oh, very, man. very, very serious. And I kept having really vivid hallucinations. Yeah. So I remember them to these okay. days. Yeah. It's, wow. it's, uh, it's viral uh, temperature-induced hallucinations. That's amazing. Um, so okay. <laughs> never done drugs, but uh, I, it, m- it might be similar. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Uh, it, it was quite interesting. Oh, man. Yeah. But, uh, nothing as glorious is about what we're about to read. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's true. I think mine involved growing up. I had a bunch of vivid clown dreams for some reason. I think Who they, doesn't? I, I mean, it just scared me half to death. So that's a little into my psyche right there. Okay. Well, with that said, let's <laughs> no, go into... There's an entire medical designation of people who have fear of clowns. I know. I know. It's just, it traumatized me. Um, oh, my. Now, I do have one question because we see in the Bible, there seems to be a distinction between dreams and visions. Mm-hmm. Is it just the means in which they are brought about, like ones when you're asleep and ones when you're awake? Yes. Okay. I I think that is the the clearest designation. Uh, I think it's also important to realize that they are anomalies. These are not normative. So people who think that dreams and visions are normative have to be very careful. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a mission movement right now um, of which the especially in the Arab and mm-hmm. the Middle Eastern world where people are coming to Christ via dreams and visions. Yeah, and I'd like to make a comment on that. Yeah, I do think that God is using them. I even talked to people. Yeah, but um, and I have this little bit of a tangent, Mike. I'm sorry. No, that's fine. But but dreams and visions. What what it is is people are not getting saved through the dream and vision. Mm-hmm. It's people think having a dream um, and waking up and they're like. Uh, I was reading my Quran, and there was a cross, and the cross fell on the Quran and obliterated it. Uh, th- this is a real-life testimony mm. of, a, of a pastor yeah. in North Africa. And that did not save him, but he went – he was so disturbed by it, he started pursuing, like, well, what is this cross? Mm. And who is the person that was standing behind it? And, you know, he it just – so it leads to a pursuit of exactly of truth. Exactly. Okay. So dreams and visions today are more like um, God using different things to spur someone to pursuit. Mm. The dreams and visions of the Old Testament, these are examples of specific divine revelation. Okay. So just so that we're clear on terms. No, that's good. Vision and dreams in the Old Testament through the prophets, these are divine revelation. This is God speaking, and it is Scripture. Okay. Differentiated from dreams and visions today that are uh, different ways that God moves in, sometimes strange ways, yeah. to prompt someone to pursue him. Gotcha. Thank you. No, that's very that's okay. very good. And, and I think it's helpful because we are, for the next few episodes, we're going to be looking at some dreams, some visions, and it's helpful to have that context. Yes. So thank you for that. Um, what do we know about the prophet Ezekiel himself? 
um, before we get into this. All right, just a little bit of background. Uh, Ezekiel is a prophet who is exiled to Babylon in 597 B- BC. Okay? okay, so this is roughly 600 years before Christ is born. Remember that the northern kingdom has fallen, yep. the southern kingdom just fell, and he is part of this group that is taken to Babylon. Okay. Now, what does this say about Ezekiel? Uh, usually they exiled upper echelons of society, nobility, mm-hmm. tradesmen. They were trying to displace anybody who had any authority or power or influence okay. so that the nation couldn't rise up again, right? Displace the, la- the mm-hmm. leaders and they can't, you know, nothing else can happen. Um, so maybe that was Ezekiel's background. We're not fully told, but he is exiled nonetheless at a momentous moment of tragedy in Israel's mm. history. Okay. There's lots of confusion. There's a lot of hopelessness. Uh, you also have Ezekiel right there around the time of Daniel as mm-hmm. well. So you have a lot of contemporaries and, and fellow exiles that, that are at this time. Okay. Another thing that I've noticed in Ezekiel is a lot of specific dates. Mm-hmm. I mean, like on the third week of this month, and it just very specific in multiple places. Yeah. Is there a reason for that outside of just being a historical, you know, note? I, I do think that I think that what God is communicating is that He is aware of the times and the seasons, the days and the years, and even just the promises of exile and bringing His people back and mm-hmm. hope. It's like this is not something that God has forgotten. Like, yeah, one day I'll get around to gotcha. it. It's more like there's going to be a day, and I've already penciled. I've already penciled. <laughs> yeah. I've already written it with permanent ink yes. in my calendar. Yes. Like it's going to happen, and on this day. Now, did they know exactly what those days were? Mm-hmm. No, but it's God communicating like. I'm aware, I know the time, and there, and I am working my plan on a very specific purpose. Okay, very good. So let's jump into Ezekiel's first vision. Mm-hmm. Um, it is just Strange. wild. It is wild. <laughs> um, so here we have in Ezekiel 1, um, we see that he has, he sees these things, in verse 5 it says, the likeness of four living creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, now it says that this is a likeness, and we see that word throughout. So are these actual creatures, or are they just these are symbolic images of something? Uh, I I think that well let me let me tackle it from a couple of different angles. Yes, yeah. Because I know that when people read this, they go, "This is just strange." Yeah. I mean, it's very alien. Mm-hmm. It's very maybe even disturbing. Anytime a Christian artist tries to capture this image, mm-hmm. it just comes off as strange. I've yeah. never seen a good drawing. With all respect to our artists out there, yeah. this is a very, very challenging text. When we look at these four faces, the human, the lion, the ox, or the eagle, a little bit of human history context, and that is these four animals play prominently in any culture. Let me give an example. Uh, obviously the human. Why? Mm-hmm. Because it's representative of our human race. The lion on flags, on uh, and any type of emblazonments, mm-hmm. uh, ancient uh, re- associated with royalty, yeah. with royal houses. Uh, even even England, their, their their crest of arms has a lion yeah. on it. If you uh, the the Ishtar gates from mm-hmm. Babylon are animals with heads of lions. So lions are viewed as regal, powerful. The ox. Oddly enough, but the ox has always been also an object of worship. Hmm. When when the Israelites came out of of Egypt, what did they what did they do? The first gods that they crafted were golden oxen. Yeah. And then when we have the high places in the north and the south, what did they craft? Yeah. Oxen. And the idea there was that the lion is regal. The ox represents the the, the, the till of the earth, mm. the kind of the, the life of the earth. Okay. That brings forth the life. And then the eagle. 
Uh, look at the Roman crests, uh, r- ancient Rome, and the, the the eagle that was on top of their flagpoles. Look at our own nation here mm-hmm. today. The U.S. is heavily indebted to Roman civilization. Our civilization is more indebted to Rome than than any other. Mm. And the crest is the the eagle. In America, the eagle. It's that idea of that heavenly being that represents agility, swiftness, and even wisdom. Okay. So you have these different images that not only from Ezekiel, but are very prominent throughout broad human history. Now, what do we look at these things? Are they literal? Um. I'm I'm a, I'm a little bit dependent uh, dependent on the hour of the day for okay. this. <laughs> so I think that the scriptures from an interpretive note, Mike. Yeah. We always read them literally, mm-hmm. unless it demands allegory or comparison, okay. either textually, grammatically, or we can honestly say at times we're just not sure. Mm-hmm. What we do know is this: Scripture gives us these images to mm-hmm. communicate. They have likeness to humanity. That means they're autonomous mm. and that they are um, uh, beings with a sense of self-existence. Okay. What is that word I'm looking for? A sense of um, uh, they, they're, they're truly alive. They're not just a, an animal without a soul. Okay. Um, that's a specific word. I, I can't think like, of the word either. So <laughs> it's a human. And then the lion, <clears throat> regal, you know, a regalness, a power. And then the ox. I mean, these, these are literal. And the ox is powerful and strong. Mm-hmm. And the eagle, this is a heavenly being. Four wings. The soul is like a calf's foot. These are fantastical creatures. Yeah. It says they did not move unless the spirit moved them. It means they are completely under and under the thrall, uh, in the good thrall, if you will, mm-hmm. of, of God. They are, they are not gods mm-hmm. themselves. These are not part of a divine pantheon. Mm. They are under the Holy Spirit. They're under the God that they are carrying. And the living creatures darted to and fro like the appearance of a flash of lightning. There is something truly supernatural mm. and extraordinary about them. Yeah. Instead of getting caught up in the weirdness of it, I think that one of the critical things that we must read is that Ezekiel is describing the indescribable. Mm. Let me put it this way. If Ezekiel can dare and barely describe the beings that carry the throne of God Mm. because it's so majestic, it's so fantastical, it's so beyond anything he ever knows. If that's what the servants of the divine God are, then who is our divine God? Yeah. Like, imagine him. How much more of a scope of majesty is he? In essence, is it a means of, when we see this and God is revealing this to Ezekiel, it's almost kind of shakes us a little bit of saying, of to that point of saying, this is something otherworldly that you're looking at. Yes. This something is something totally other. beyond yourself. Yes. And so there is almost a an emblazement of this image in the mind of Ezekiel and then the people of this is grand, this is massive, this is holy, you know, and it's it's just helps, as we'll see with Ezekiel, I mean, it just helps him continue on in the prophetic word and what he's doing and in the people to endure because they know that this is the heavenly reality. Yes. I think that I think that it's also important to remember in the Babylonian world and in this ancient world, mm-hmm. these are the beings that are worshipped. Mm-hmm. Remember, mm-hmm. so these are the beings that are worshipped. Mm-hmm. They they were they worship these kind of quasi human figures, yep. oxen, uh, the lions. The, these these are the images of the Near Eastern gods. Yeah, there's also a subtle polemic uh, 
basically like a a speech against the times of his of his age mm-hmm. where he's like you guys think these are the ones to worship no hmm. these are the ones that are carrying the one who wow. should be worshiped yeah like he's elevating not only the israelites he's like these gods who they think they're worshiping these aren't gods at, at most they're, they're divine powerful beings but they are the ones carrying god mm. and that's who we see Gotcha. There's a lot of beauty and subtlety here. Definitely. Um, any comment on the wheels? Because it, it, this wheel within a wheel, wheel and eyes on them and all those kind of things. They, they seem to be very three-dimensional, not just your single-plane wheel. They almost have a gyroscopic sound, you know, yeah. like a turning wheel with inside. I think what you have, it sounds very marvelish, but a little bit of a, of a quasi-dimensional look. Okay. Um, it, you know, you're not only a single-plane wheel. You've got them at perpendicular axes to them. They're turning. Mm-hmm. They're spinning wheel within a wheel. All of this to describe that. Ezekiel seeing this and is like, what is that? It looks like this. Yeah. It kind of is this. It moves in this way. It, it can moves. go this way and that way. Yeah. Exactly. But I, he's never seen anything like this. This yeah. is totally, like you said, otherworldly. Now, then we get to the expanse. And I, I think this, mm-hmm. is, this is a beautiful reality here at the uh, end of Ezekiel 1. And above the expanse, over their heads, there was the likeness of a throne in appearance like sapphire and seated. Above the likeness of a throne was a likeness with a human appearance. Is this a picture of the throne room of heaven or obviously something divine, a divine throne room? Uh, yes. In essence, imagine the creatures as the ones who are the, the, the bearers of the throne. Okay. Um, so is this like, you know, when you see in movies and things like that, you got the, the, yes. the regal guard, they're coming through, and the people yes. carrying the throne through the streets and that kind of thing? Yes. Um, and, and it's important to remember that in ancient times, the people who carried the throne had to be incredibly trustworthy mm. and were often some of the closest advisors to the king. Mm. Because if you're going to trust him with that proximity to you, yeah. the people traveling immediately around your party were also some of the ones who were uh, the most close to the king, spent mm-hmm. time with. Um, anyways, so, so what you have is this image of these divine creatures pulling, carrying the throne of God. Mm. And the throne of God is pictured as an expanse, which, which, which is actually, again, paradoxical. Mm. Because when you think about a throne, you're thinking of a, of a specific concrete image on something that is tangible, and it's a fixed object in space and time. Yeah. But this thing that they're carrying is not described as a fixed point in time. It's actually described as an expanse. It's almost like you're looking at the throne, and it's it's almost like a window into eternity. It's like a window into some sort of grand view mm. of God, and it looks like sapphire, and there is a rainbow, and there's a bow, and then there's someone that's in human appearance, but we don't exactly get his features. He's mm-hmm. so transcendent and glorious, we just get this, this outline of him. Would this be a Christophany of sorts, or is this more? I I, I, I wouldn't be dogmatic about it. Okay. I, I would say it, it's a good possibility. Mm-hmm. I tend to layer things in. We're certain. It's probable. Yeah. It's yeah. possible. It's unlikely. You know, you kind of like range it on a spectrum. I put this more in the possible category. Okay. Um, maybe probable because the only the only person within the Trinity that has um, uh, uh, human-like an, an, yeah, characteristics human-like yeah. characteristics or specifically um, 
not <laughs> incarnation. I almost said incarceration. <laughs> no, um, no, wrong word. The, yeah. It's the only member of the Trinity that that, that, that in, incarnated yeah. um, and, and has any flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. And so I would say there's a possibility, probability it's Christ. Okay. So when we see this, we see, I mean, this just majestic image. Mm-hmm. Power and authority is just exuding from this. We see the expanse, which is just a window into eternity, and someone standing in the midst here. Why go through all the trouble of showing this image to people? I mean, I, it, it is one of the things. Why not just, all right, you know, yeah, God is in the heavens and da-da-da-da, and, and more of some of what we see maybe in the Psalms or things of that nature. Why use such vivid imagery? Whenever you start with the majesty of God and you say, wow, and then when he speaks, you're a lot more willing to listen, right? Mm-hmm. In other words, if if it's just you sitting across the table and you give me a prophecy, I'm going to be like, Mike, what are your credentials? <laughs> <laughs> as you should. Right? Yeah. And, you know, you should have people should ask that even as we listen to us. Yeah. But, but if, you, if, you, if you look at God and you know, all of a sudden you see that, wow, the cosmos and the, and the, uh, the stars mm-hmm. and the elements themselves are in his fingertips and in his hands, when he speaks, you go, I'm listening. Yeah. And that's what he's laying. He's yeah. laying down an authority here, which is fascinating. He doesn't say, here I am, Ezekiel of the tribe of da 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 mm-hmm. and here are my degrees and here's my family position and here's my proven eloquence mm-hmm. and therefore listen to me he's like here i am ezekiel i want to tell you what i saw mm. i saw this god and then this god spoke mm. and here's what he said yeah all of a sudden the authority epicenter moves off of ezekiel mm-hmm. and it's like if you people of israel choose to disobey what that God mm. said that I just described, yeah. who sits above the creatures, who sits above the ones whom these nations worship, if you choose to go against him, you're contending with him. Mm. And that's a fearful thing to be. That is a fearful thing. And I think also in the heart of Ezekiel, being able to see this and internalize what he has just witnessed, it brings about a boldness for the message that he is proclaiming. Mm-hmm. And I think about it, and I, I loved this as I was reading through Ezekiel, Ezekiel 3. God is just telling him, hey, but the house of Israel will not be willing to listen to you, for they are not willing to listen to me, because all the house of Israel have a hard forehead and a stubborn heart. Behold, I have made your face as hard as their face and your forehead as hard as their foreheads. And so God is basically saying, I'm going to make you as stubborn as them. And I often wonder if the reality of seeing this vision just... I know what I saw, and so you're not going to change my mind. I'm going to continue to pursue obedience to this mighty, holy God. Mm. And so I know for me it's almost convicting because it's like we have full revelation of the Scriptures, but am I that stubborn in obedience to the Lord, or do I, you know? It's a great observation, Mike. I'm not sure I ever noted that verse. Yeah. Um, I think it's a great insight. And the answer is, it does seem that we have spirit empowerment of, I'm going to make you just as stubborn for the truth as they're as stubborn about disobeying the truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I love verse 15. He sits there overwhelmed for seven days. Yeah, yeah. It makes me feel good sometimes, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's like, God's like, hey, here's what I'm going to show you, Revelation, and here's what I want you to do. And you yeah. would be like, where's a corner? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go there and 
you know, I'm just, eat yeah, ice cream. I just, I just need to, yeah, I sit in a dark corner and just really process this for a while. <laughs> yeah. I get this image of Ezekiel sitting in a corner with a plate of baklava <laughs> and just sitting there like, I'm depressed and overwhelmed. And I don't know what to I think I don't about know where this. to go from here. Oh, man. Uh, yes. Yeah. Mm. So, so with, with that said, um, what does this mean for us today? Where, where does this connect to Christ and our walk with him in uh, the New Covenant? Well, the book of Ezekiel is, is remember, it's setting up um, with grand imagery of God has this redemptive purpose. The mm-hmm. whole point of Ezekiel is confrontation, mm-hmm. but also something that culminates in hope. Mm-hmm. And the way that Ezekiel ends, and I'm going to leave it on a cliffhanger there. Oh, we'll get to that nice. next time. Yes. But, but the way that Ezekiel ends and the way the book builds is very much God has spoken. Mm-hmm. He is going to bring restoration and there's going to be redemption, mm. and it's going to come to a point, and we know that Christ is that point. Yeah. But there's this waiting period, and if anybody's reading through the Bible with us here at Heritage, you know that we're at that point where it's like Isaiah, Jeremiah, <laughs> Ezekiel, Daniel. Can we please get to Jesus? Yes. We, 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 yes. we start feeling the sense of, and it was just articulated to me, this very emotion, this sense of like, I just want to get out of these prophets and mm. get to Jesus. You're kind of experiencing through reading mm-hmm. just a microcosm of the waiting that they had to go through, this this waiting and expectation yeah. of I'm longing for that revelation of the one who they talked about for decades Amen. and centuries. Amen. And we do long for that day, even now, for mm-hmm. his return in the full revelation. Amen. Well, Nathan, thank you again. Uh, what a fun discussion. And uh, <laughs> we're going to continue to talk about visions and dreams and those kind of things. Uh, next episode, we're going to continue our conversation about Ezekiel as we look at the visions of dry bones and the new temple, which is just a fascinating passage to read through. If you have questions about this or anything else, please Send let them us to know. Mike. <laughs> If you have any questions about anything else, yeah, just anything. Questions about the animals yeah. or the temple or the bones or the visions, Thank just send you, them to Mike. Thank Mike, you so much. Mike has clairvoyance. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. Conclude. Done. Are I'm you done? done? I'm done. Okay, I'm thank done. you. You can email questions to questions at focusedonchrist.com, and I will forward them to Nathan. Finally, for links to videos, articles, and more, don't forget you can visit us online at our website, focusedonchrist.com.